I mean, it, it's a heart attack of a show, truly, oh, and, and, and not because of the food. <laughs> this is Pop Culture Confidential, and I'm Christina Yerling Biru. Hey everyone, welcome. I'm really excited about this show, so thanks for joining us. So for a while now, I've been planning on doing deep dive review episodes more regularly here on Pop Culture Confidential. And we're starting with a great show, the surprise hit of the summer, The Bear. Joining me for this deep dive is a guest I've been looking forward to having on the show for a long time. Let me introduce him. He is the editor-in-chief of the excellent Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. He has a must-listen podcast featuring a great team of critics. He is a fellow member of the Critics' Choice, and we share a home at the Evergreen Podcast Network. Matt Neglia, thanks so much for joining me, and finally we meet... Well, thank you, Christina, for having me. I know this has been a long time coming, and I've been wanting to come on this show and speak with you for quite some time. And uh, I'm just glad that we're finally here to talk about one of the hottest, most exciting new shows of 2022. Great. Let's get started. So just for some context, to be honest with you, Matt, I had not heard of The Bear before June. I mean, I'd hardly heard of the creator, Christopher Storr. But in L.A. this summer, you could just tell people were buzzing about this show, even though this was sort of the time when the Emmy nominations for this year were being talked about and a bunch of FYCs were going on. But everyone was talking about The Bear. So finally, I said, I have to watch it. And when I did, I could not stop. And I can't wait to talk to you about it because the buzz has been even more the past month. Um, for the audience, this is going to be a show full of spoilers. And we're going to be discussing plot lines, um, which you probably won't know anything about if you haven't seen it. So if you haven't had a chance to check it out yet, you probably want to do so before you listen on FX Hulu, and on Disney Plus and other territories, I believe. Like, it's starting to roll out now in Canada on August 3rd and continuing on. So, briefly about The Bear. It's essentially about Carmen, Carmi, played by Jeremy Allen White, who we all know from Shameless. He's a young chef from the world of fine dining, but when we meet him, he's come back home to Chicago to run his family's Italian beef sandwich shop. He's working through the grief of his brother, Mikey's suicide, who used to own the restaurant. Other characters include Sidney, played by Ayo Adibri, an ambitious young chef who starts working there, as well as Richie, played by Evan Moss Backrack. They call each other cousin, even though they really aren't. And Richie is not particularly happy with the changes coming to the restaurant. This is your brother's house. I was running it fine without you. Why didn't he leave it to you then? Don't wipe your hands on your apron, chef. Jeff! I refer to everybody as chef because it's a sign of respect. You could throw down, huh? Behind, behind. So how you gonna pass the family test? Delicious or impressive? Delicious is impressive. Word. Yo, family's up. I just never had platanos with, like, grass on it. <laughs> we want to change this restaurant, right? But we have to change the chemistry. Hey, why are you always, like, watching me? Because it's just sort of my job. We're the chili flakes. Because it organizes, it's more confusing. Right there. Label chili flakes. 
This is a delicate ecosystem, and it's held together by a shared history and love. I have every intention of turning this into a respectable place of business. Eventually. All right, Matt, let's just start with your general thoughts on the series. Yeah, so as I said before, this is one of the hottest, exciting new shows on television today. And like you, I was not aware of The Bear when it first initially aired. And I found out about it a little bit later in the summer. I believe it was um, around the time the second season got renewed. So like two weeks into July. Uh, But the good thing that happened was that all the episodes were available right away. And I think this just allowed for everybody to, in a very, very, very short period of time, to watch this show. And the fact that they're very short episodes, uh, under an hour long, I think they range from like 20 to 45 minutes. It was something that people could get through pretty quickly and be able to, in totality, summarize very, very explicitly uh, how great this show is. And so you heard a lot of people, like you said, buzzing about it uh, in person or um, online. And so I took the plunge and I checked it out. And I normally don't do this because Mm -hmm. for me, I'm usually scared of watching a show in its early stages out of fear of it being canceled. I would rather wait to see that it's more established before I allow myself to get emotionally invested. But that's self-care, Matt. You're so exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But I figured, you know what? Eight episodes half an hour roundabout, you know, I can knock this out in four hours, you know, pretty much an evening. It took me two nights to watch the whole thing, but man, um, I've heard this said a lot and I know that this comparison is becoming quite tired, but this is honestly very truthful. It's uncut gems in a kitchen. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I say tired because everybody likes to say this is the new uncut gems, et cetera, et cetera. But this really is the case here with this particular show. It is hyperkinetic in terms of its camera work, its editing. The cast is also equally electric as well. Um, there's a very, very exciting, fresh group of new faces uh, surrounding Jeremy Allen White, who everybody probably knows from Shameless, I imagine. And so there's something about this that just feels not only very raw and exciting, but also, too, as someone who used to work uh, in the restaurant business uh, a couple of years ago when I was, you know, younger, um, dare I say, extremely authentic to how it captures just the day to day of running a restaurant business and especially at the level that Carmi wants to bring it to. So uh, this show is phenomenal. And I, I mean, I definitely have more to talk about, which I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit here, but I'll summarize it by that by saying uh, it's definitely one of the best shows I have seen not only this year, but um, I I really do believe like deep down in my heart that it's a show that will endure a whole cycle of another year, hopefully in time for next year's Emmy Award season. Yes. I was thinking it's kind of like if Bourdain's Kitchen Confidentials was rewritten by Eugene O'Neill with a little bit of Puzzo in there. Um, mm-hmm. I think this triangle, Carmi, 
Richie and the, the dead brother Mikey are so powerful. These themes about returning home when you just wanted to get out of there, um, living up to the ghost of the brother or friend who died, the addiction themes and codependency. Um, I just think it's so rich. I know this sounds highfalutin, but I was thinking of sort of Carmi and, and his brother Mikey. They're like characters out of East of Eden or remember Paris, Texas? Yeah, yeah. And there's even some Salieri and Amadeus in there with the brother who leaves and who's much better than the other one. Elements of Fredo. And I think my favorite character of them all is Richie, um, Yvonne Interesting. Moss, yeah, and I can tell you why quickly. I think he's, he's like the nostalgic character. He lived his glory days when Carmi's brother Mikey was alive. He was part of, he seems to have been part of this family since they were kids, but he's always in trouble and he's always, he, he wants those glory days back. He's so cautious of change and when um sydney and carmy want to do new things to the restaurant he's the one who gets really tense about that but at the same time there are these fantastic scenes like when you see him at the front of the store and he's talking to customers coming in He's so good at that. He knows everyone's name, everyone's kid's name. Every, he's like salt of the earth. See, I found Richie to be a frustrating character. And I cannot he say is. that. I know. And I can't <laughs> say that I've warmed up to him because I haven't still. I admire that the show does peel back the layers on him a bit more. And there is this like deep rooted anger and sadness to honestly how pathetic his character can be sometimes but he's the type of character that you always point at the obstacles that are hindering like the other characters in the show and you notice that they're stemming from this one other character and if this one other character would just get it together and would just fall in line do as he's told and not let his ego get in the way of what it is that he and Carmi are trying to accomplish, they could do great things, but he just always finds a way to mess everything up. And God, it's frustrating. But that's the brilliance of it. I mean, how yeah, yeah. would we have seen the Godfather and all these cast of characters if there weren't brothers who just like, my God, what did you just do? I, I, I give Ibn Moss uh, backrack, like all the credit in the world though, for me to, feel something for that character by the time we got to the end of the season because man there, i i wanted him to get stabbed in the side i <laughs> me too like, <laughs> that was how much i loved him uh so credit to him for really just making that character um three-dimensional and human just because he is so frustrating and just because he I mean, for example, there are scenes where they show you how how diplomatic Sydney is, for example, when there's this kerfuffle outside the restaurant. She's there giving them sandwiches and being very diplomatic. He's looking for his gun. I mean, he can't handle things like that. But when you get to the scene where Carmi bails him out from jail and mm -hmm. he's sitting in the car and he just quietly says, you're all I have. Yeah. I just broke. I mean... If he wouldn't have been that frustrating and if we wouldn't have had that sort of narrative line, I don't think I would have felt Bacharach just nails that, you know, that 
feeling you have of just please get yourself together but at the same time um you have all this compassion for him i think that's just brilliant writing and acting yeah i was really blown away by it 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 it, it has a quality to it that is very very rare in most shows where the writing for the characters you know a lot of times these big reveals or even subtle reveals into what makes these characters tick and reveal their true nature, they usually unfold over the course of many seasons. And this show unpacked so much in such a short period of time. And that's why I think the bear is resonating with people is that you said it before. It's very rich for the short amount of, uh, for the short runtime that it has. It, it gives you so much in regards to, understanding these characters motivations understanding how they work together understanding what drives them apart um and that's like something that i found to be just very invigorating uh was seeing how cool it is when you have all these people working together look what they can accomplish uh when they do uh you know use well the the system uh they develop the system in the kitchen you know they call it and uh carmy you know, almost like a military drill sergeant uh, really is able to get everyone to understand their role, know their positions, and then execute with efficiency. So that's why, like, with Richie, it's very, very frustrating because it's like you only have one job, sir. Man the cash register. <laughs> be be the, the face of the restaurant with the customers. You said it before, like, he's the kind of guy that knows everybody in town. Everybody in town knows him. So he's perfect for that. Mm -hmm. Why are you getting involved outside of that and it, it it god it's very frustrating but that's that's the source of conflict you know and that's that's really good i think um so and in the same way his you know carmy's sister she has that relationship to carmy where she you know she's trying to live another life she's trying to you know get things together and is worried about the taxes and there's also this line where she looks at her brother and after they've had this big fight and he, he and she just says, will you come back and fight with me tomorrow? She sort of realizes that that's the love, they have, that's the relationship that these people have in the found family and in the family. They're just going to be like this. They're, you're not mm -hmm. going to be able to change them all that much. Um, and and the, the small ways that Carmi comes in Sydney, she wants to change the restaurant immediately. She's brilliant and impatient, and he knows that he can't do that with Richie. He can't do that with the customers. You have to take it slow. And I think that that is such an interesting, how they know each other, while at the same time they're so frustrating. It's really frustrating because, you know, Richie is family to Carmi, and... <sighs> You know, you can see very clearly how life would be so much better working alongside Sydney as partners in this endeavor. And there's a shared history between Carmi and Richie that even uh, it's really tough because I think about this a lot, actually, like, you know, when you have friends or family members who fuck up. And you always end up forgiving them, giving them second chances because essentially they're their blood uh, in, in, in literal and figurative uh, sen senses. And so I, I, I go back and forth on that a lot because I'm the kind of person that after after, you know, a few times uh, I, 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 you know, I tend to cut people off. 
you know so like i wouldn't put up with richie if i was carmy but the fact that he does just i think shows the level of depth that there is to their relationship connected through uh mikey who is played in uh these very very brief snippets by john bernthal mm-hmm. and i i actually thought that was pretty brilliant casting because john bernthal is like one of the most likable people right now working today i feel like and i know that a lot of times he's cast in roles where he's a tough bad guy or things like that but then sometimes you see him in a movie or a show where he's exuding so much warmth and charisma and yes he is like a macho like type of man in a lot of ways but it's the kind of giant big teddy bear that you want to have hanging around uh to give a hug to every now and then i really really love the dynamic that they showed in his very very brief scenes because mikey's alluded to a lot Mm -hmm. throughout the show and so even though john bernthal comes on screen and it's you know it, it runs the risk of us getting taken out of the moment because it's him you know and so we would be distracted by the fact that it was john bernthal but he, in a very, very short amount of time, exhibits all the qualities that we've heard about Mikey and then brings it all to life in a way that makes every single scene where Carmi and Richie are talking about him and referring to that shared history land that much more effectively. Oh, I completely agree. I think this is a stroke of brilliant casting for exactly the reason you're saying and, and for what we were talking about at the beginning. Mikey represents so much to them. I mean, he's Richie's whole life. They had their glory days together. You have you have his little brother Carmi, who for the whole series until he gets that letter, all he wanted from his brother was for him to be proud of him. He wanted him to say this. Um, he he was you know saddled with his addiction, and he left feels guilty for leaving those years. In order to have this presence when he's dead for us, the viewers, to have Barenthal, as you say, this incredibly charismatic um, actor who you feel just immediately connected to, even if you only see him in a one-minute scene, I just think that was brilliant. It Mm -hmm. It could have just fallen flat with someone else because he represents that what I was saying, you know, the great stories and books about that family member friend brother who who just is a ghost hanging over um your family and and you have to sort of break free of those reins and and i thought he was just incredible casting yeah definitely agreed and you know they do a good job too of leveraging some of the other guest stars as well like joel McHale shows up as uh carmy's uh former boss at uh the restaurant that he used to uh be at in new york city and um, he's very effective in his brief scene. I actually wanted to see more of him, and I hope we kind of get to do. Um, I would like to see flashbacks to Carmi's time of working in a five-star restaurant in New York. I think that would be actually a lot of fun to see what other experiences he might have had that impact how he makes decisions today. Um, but also to Molly Ringwald also uh, is a guest star in, in the show as well. Yeah, so, so like a couple minutes only. Yeah, yeah. Like these are very, very short, but extremely effective usage of guest uh, actors in a television show. And the show, as we mentioned before, is very short to begin with. Uh, So 
I, I find there to be just this really incredible efficiency of storytelling at play here where the bear is uh, like like the meat that they're selling, incredibly lean, uh, and, and there's no fat. It's the <laughs> on... simplest pasta. It's just that tomato, onion, and mozzarella, and that's it. No unnecessary anything. No, nah, you, you got it. You're hitting the nail right on the head there. And uh, I, I think that a lot of that is also attributed to the editing of the show and how well it moves. Um, I knew right away in the very beginning when I saw how quickly edited it was, but also not in a distracting sense, but in a controlled, chaotic sort of way. And that's very much what working in a restaurant is. It's controlled chaos. And so for the editing to match that feeling, uh, that I thought was a really cool stylistic decision that uh, carries on through the show. It's not like Adam McKay style of cutting, uh, no, but that. it has. Um, <laughs> we you thank know, you and for I'm, that. I, exactly. But I am going to go back to the Uncut Gems comparison again, uh, because you have people talking over each other. You then have these inserts of flashes of the city and the environment and other elements, too, of um uh, of 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 close-ups of the like extreme close-ups of like cracking of eggs on a on a stove or you know the pieces of um uh kitchenware that they're using to you know make whatever it is that they're making and so on and so forth it's really really tight it's just a really really tight show i i never not once while watching this felt like it ever dragged uh, there was not a single episode that I could point at and say, oh, that was a bad episode. Take that one out. Mm-hmm. In fact, I actually think going back to what we were saying before, dropping all of this on Hulu uh, to where every episode was available, you don't have to watch it week by week, I think is the best way to watch this show because I think if I was watching it week by week and I, I feel this way sometimes with Barry, uh, it's too short. And it's like, oh, my God, like, yes, there's the idea of leave them wanting more. But the bear functions in a sort of way where it doesn't feel episodic without with the exception of one episode in particular, uh, which I'm sure we'll we'll get to in a second here. But it feels very cohesive. It feels like it's all part of a whole. And it is a story, a self-contained story in this one season with a beginning, middle and end throughout its entire episodic structure. One of the reasons I think, I think it's because they're so excellent at not having unnecessary exposition. Yeah. It's on a need-to-know basis, Matt. We don't get go into anyone's apartment unnecessarily. There's no cutesy visits from Richie's daughter. We only hear her on the telephone. Um, it's we see what we have to see. We don't have to have we have get the backstory when we need the backstory. We know just enough about Mikey John Barenthal. That I think they've been so effective with the exposition and with those things on the side. And, and as you were saying, the little clips of Chicago, some stark black and white opening credits once where mm-hmm. you get some historical footage and puts into context where this restaurant is. But we don't have some big long thing about, you know, this family. And, and you get it. They really give the audience credit um, in order to lift the story of these great diverse group of characters we haven't even talked about the rest of the the characters in the kitchen who seem so incredibly well put together like the family that they're the found family that they're playing i mean sydney and marcus have 
a scene together at um i believe it's sydney's apartment in the finale yep and i was almost like taken aback by it because i was like wow we're following these characters outside of the kitchen without carmy or richie right now and i was like whoa (laughs) i know because it's the only time Mm -hmm. yeah except for when she's in bed there's a few scenes in the when she's gets ready in the morning and leaves her apartment but yeah but those are so fleeting like this was a a long uh scene of dialogue between two characters that you know at this point we've gotten to know fairly well uh so i i do think there is something to what you're saying here and how the show it feels like almost like the show has like these established rules that it wants to follow throughout the uh, course of the show. Uh, what did you think? I- I'm curious about this because by the time you get to the end of the show, we know why the show is called the bear, mm-hmm. which I kind of saw coming. It-, it didn't take me long to realize that that was what the title's purpose was ultimately going to be, but I'm watching episode one and I'm watching Jeremy Allen white stare down a CGI bear and I'm saying to myself, oh boy, what is this? This is silly. What are, what are we doing here? They somehow managed to take something that on the surface seemed initially pointless and silly at first and thematically tie it into the themes of the show in such a way and also to to Carmi's character that I by the end, I just found it to be such a masterstroke of brilliance. So Christopher Storr, he's... I don't think he has been created anything. He's mainly been a producer to some of mm-hmm. excellent things. Rami and Bo Burnham's Eighth Grade. Um, this was intended to be a movie, but then, but then it became after many many years, it became a series. His sister, um, Courtney, she's a deck. Hello, everyone. My name is Matt Neglia, and I am the host of the Next Best Picture podcast, part of the Film Entertainment Awards website, Next Best Picture. On our show, we explore all year long what is possibly going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. We do this by conducting interviews with people within the film industry, holding weekly reviews of the latest theatrical releases, and on our main show, where we dive into various different topics, answer your fan questions, and also do our best to explore Oscar history's past in hopes that it will tell us something new for this upcoming award season race. We hope that you will join us on all of the various podcasting networks. We look forward to seeing you over at nextbestpicture.com. restaurant chef who he worked for so they know this world for a long time she's the culinary producer the showrunner is joanna callow and she's worked on some incredible shows just lately hacks and bojack and you were alluding to it before these 30 minute shows right now the level of great emotional storytelling packed into 30 minutes from reservation dogs to hacks to Pamela Adlon and even Mm -hmm. something like Abbott Elementary. This format is just becoming peak TV. (laughs) Do you agree? Yeah, I I think so. Yeah, because, you know, at least for me, I always kind of snickered at 30 minute shows because I mostly associated them with sitcoms and things of that nature something that was like very comedic and i didn't really need to uh they were not cerebral let's just put it that way and so i'm like you know i'm essentially you know equating this with 
comedy shows and things of that nature where, uh, you know, quite frankly, I would say, you know, not for me, a little a little lesser than, you know, with the hour long shows that I was more particularly interested, things like Sopranos, The Wire, pretty mm-hmm. much anything on HBO, essentially. Um, but what's happening now is that because uh, audience attention spans are so short, um, a lot of and I think Barry's also benefiting from this hacks is a number one, like you said, they are finding ways to tell these stories that usually would be done in an hour long format. And they're doing them in such economical ways and such with such efficiency too in the runtimes of the storytelling that they're actually packing even more of an accentuated punch. Um, These shows are, I think, leaving a mark on people in a way that, Yes, it's always going to be great to have your hour and a half long, you know, Game of Thrones episodes where they're epic and big in scope, but you can capture the same epicness, uh, but on a human level, on a character level in half the runtime. And I, I just find that to be both a daunting challenge and one that when I see it get pulled off, I'm very impressed by it. Oh, massively, right. What did you think of episode seven, which is... It's an episode with no cuts. I'm uninterrupted take. Took me a while to realize uh, because I was just so sucked into what was happening that I think it was about maybe four minutes in, something like that. Like, And I realized, wow, they haven't cut away. And then I think by like the time we got to like the five minute mark or six minute mark, I then started to realize, oh my God, they're going to go the whole episode and you're going to do it like this. And my jaw just dropped. I leaned into uh, my television and I was so excited to see how they were going to pull this off because obviously the level of coordination, uh, the rehearsal time and just having to get this absolutely right. I mean, I can't even imagine like how many times they... Uh, you know, I, I'm sure they didn't shoot it that many times because it is a television schedule after all. But at the same time, I can't imagine like getting 17 minutes into it. And it's a short episode. I think it's like the shortest one of the season. I think it's only like 20 minutes, but it's the most stressful, like 20 minutes that you'll ever oh, experience. Because, unbearable. See what you did there? Yes. Um, <laughs> but like it's it's because it comes at a point before the finale where we know these characters well enough to be emotionally invested. So by this point in the show, when we see um, all the orders coming in that they can't fulfill, um, just everything essentially breaks down in terms of communication. Carmi is just blasting everybody. Sydney, Marcus, Richie. I I was thinking we were going to see hands get thrown at some point. Like they they were going to just start beating on each other well richie Um, does get stabbed richie does get stabbed yeah uh intentionally or accidentally uh still up to debate well i read a bit about i mean first of all it's filmed the kitchen that they have as a set is is that small and they Mm -hmm. in order to choreograph the camera behind i mean it was basically as it was in a kitchen behind chef like a dance of coordination i think they did it run throughs i did they did it completely six or seven times and a few times they had to stop and every time they did it a little bit differently like for example sydney was not quite as pissed off i understand a few times around the fact that she is so intense in this one 
took such an excellent arc in her character because at this point we're also very frustrated for her. We, I mean, we can't stand how Richie is treating her at this point no. and that she's starting to sort of, you know, boil <laughs> to use a <laughs> kitchen phrase is, is just feels completely right here. And of course, Goodfellas, Scorsese, Dolly shot through the kitchen. There's just mm -hmm. something magical about walking through a kitchen like that. I mean, the fact that somebody told Richie to go fuck himself, uh, I think that was Sydney who gets to tell him off in this yes. episode. That made me incredibly happy. Um, I was very frustrated by Marcus in episode seven uh, because I, I – I get it. I understand. But at the same time, that that was maybe the only bit of writing in the show where I was like, I, I, I legitimately said to myself, is this guy really that thick headed, that lost in what he's doing? I'm sorry, but that was not the time to be working on your cake project, sir. I mean, come on. And yeah, I think he's kind of an underdeveloped character. I he mm -hmm. has one point sort of it's that he gets the chance to develop his art which he hasn't really gotten before but they right. sort of just could have had a bit more of that i don't know if it's been edited out or but i know what you're saying i do think that there will be more to come uh in season two obviously w w in that regard with him but here i i found that to be very very frustrating to the point where i actually found carmy's anger to be actually completely justifiable in that moment however his anger towards sydney and what causes her to quit. I, I don't know if I went back and forth on this because it's like, I know that Carmi is losing it. Like he, he's clearly losing it in that moment. Uh, so I understand like Sydney feeling like, you know what? I'm not going to work under a guy that's going to treat me like this and be this way when, you know, the going gets rough and in a restaurant business, it gets really, really rough. Mm. So there are going to be more days like that day. And if that's the way that, you know, if someone's going to be, then I can understand not wanting to work underneath them. Uh, but at the same time, it like I, I saw both sides of the argument. You know, I, I understood Carmi's frustration. I also understood Sydney's frustration. Do I think Sydney? Do I think Sydney should have quit? No, uh, because it doesn't last long anyway. I mean, you know, we get to the finale and, you know, it's gonna be it's gonna be fine right mm -hmm, right but at the same time i do i i will say that like in terms of just those high intensity moments where the pressure is on in a restaurant setting uh the people that are in charge of running those kitchens whoever it is either a head chef or whatever you know they're ruthless they are absolutely unforgiving and ruthless. And I, I've I've actually been subject to lots of verbal abuse in those settings. Oh. So I found it to be very relatable. But at the same time, I also went back and forth on everybody's perspective of the situation and trying to like wrap my head around, okay, who's at fault here? Is anyone at fault here? You know, is anybody justified in how they're feeling? And I think the answer is everybody is justified. Uh but that means then, too, that it's hard to point the finger and place yeah. blame. In a way, you can also see it as it's it's Sydney's naivete um, showing itself. I mean, if she yeah. can't get this day, she has a lot, as you're saying, a lot of more days that are going to be even worse than this. So she has to sort of decide that she want to work like this in the 
and also on Carmen's end, I think that for him, everything is just caving in. Where is he going to get the money? What's going on? All these feelings that he has. He's just bailed Richie out. And I also think that he thinks that she's right. But how the hell is he going to do this in the situation, the shithole that they're in, in terms of money and everything? The show does a really good job of... Uh, like a really good job of throwing problems to solve at Carmi and the other characters too, I think, uh, on a more micro level for the other characters, but particularly Carmi, because just right when he fixes one obstacle, another one gets put in his path. And I think that, um, you know, you always go, you, you go back to like just the, uh, you know, the silent era of cinema with stuff like, you know, safety last and how, conflict and tension are created by new problems that are placed in front of your uh your protagonist to solve and i think that this show does a really good job in a logical way that's the that's the point that matters is that every problem that gets presented um is a problem that is logical they're having to deal with um people that uh mikey owed money to you know, mm-hmm. outside of the restaurant, they're having to deal with. Yeah, he has the fact to organize that... bachelor parties and kids <laughs> parties and bail his friend out, and then going to these Al-Anon meetings and dealing with his own feelings about his brother. You know, mm-hmm. his guilt over where he was during his brother's addiction. That's the I thing mean... too is that like the the poor guy doesn't have time to wrestle with his own complex emotions because he's so busy being in the moment with having to solve one problem after another that so much of what he's dealing with uh through the loss of his brother is it's it's unfinished business he has not uh he has not been able to untangle those emotions well that's what i think is also very brilliant about having this in the restaurant setting because that's a chef can sort of hide behind that that's what they do every day deal with problems make it better new orders coming in gives you a reason to just sort of oh I, i'll deal with my own stuff tomorrow mm-hmm. yeah i agree and i think jeremy allen white's performance uh, throughout this entire show is really fantastic oh. <laughs> it's not just the moments where he is frustrated and angry or when he's repressing that anger and you can just see it simmering on his face it's actually the moments where it's more there's more interior character work going on and there are these subtleties that are alluding to these unresolved emotions that he's working through that don't really come out until the finale i mean that seven minute monologue that he delivers is just absolutely phenomenal and yeah, talk about I, that i i love i love that the show uh, we're going back to structure here you know you have your penultimate episode as this technical oneer where everything just reaches a boiling point and explodes uh and then your finale is more of a quieter more introspective character piece with these really cathartic moments that uh really snuck up on me especially because the tension uh that the show creates is so intense that to end your finale uh in a way where it's more of like a a cool down episode but they cool you down just enough to be able to then kind of gut punch you without you realizing yeah, it 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I, I I just found whoever broke this, like broke these episodes out and wrote on a chalkboard. Okay, we're gonna take the audience here and like just showing the roller coaster of emotions on like a graph. <laughs> Expertly well done. <laughs> You're exactly right. All these episodes, and we've seen Carmi's, you know, dealing, and when we all of a sudden just have him straightforward, seven minutes talking about his feelings about Mikey and and his guilt, it's just a gut punch. And all because his brother just never let him work at, uh, you know, at the restaurant. But his brother it, was also a mythical figure for mm-hmm. everyone, for Richie. I think to in order to live up to that live up to that and i think also for several of the characters to really acknowledge that he was flawed that he has tremendous addiction problems that money was going i think that's also a step they have to take and realize and something they have to deal with well i think richie is a character that parallels that like actually kind of brilliantly where it's like this guy is so incredibly flawed but then when he's at his best and he's at his uh moments where those flaws aren't being accentuated you know he's a larger than life personality and i know so many people like that i've been described as that as a larger than life you know personality type who lights up a room anywhere he goes and people love the infectious energy that you bring along with you and that leaves an impression on people and when you have like time separated as a result you know it goes back to that saying about people won't remember what you did or what you said but they will remember how you made them feel and i think that that is um you know brought vividly to life here through Carmi and uh, Richie and er- everybody's uh, relationship with Mikey, where the flaws are all there, but this is a guy that left a very lasting impression. And and now that he's gone and there are these uh, unresolved um, emotions of regret, guilt, and what whatever else is going on there that, you know, these characters are having to work through. And then just in a very simple sense, also just missing his presence. And what a hole that is left in their lives. How do they pick up the pieces and move on from that? Um, very relatable, extremely <laughs> relatable. Even like, it, even I don't think if you've ever experienced that, I, I think the show just does such a good job of uh, detailing it out in such a way that you can find something to latch onto here. And I think that that's why the show. Um, has been very successful with critics and also anyone that watches it is that it's emotional in a way that is very human and very relatable. You don't need to have worked in the restaurant business to understand what the characters are going through in this show. I have some questions for you about the last uh, scenes of here, but before we get to that, is there anything else that you wanted or any, any other character you wanted to bring up that I haven't touched Um, upon? I, I will say that uh, <laughs> ever since I started watching this show, I cannot tell you like how many times I've just, you know, jokingly have said, yes, chef or yes. hands <laughs> or whatever else they shout out in that kitchen. I, I think that uh, it, it's so, so funny to me when I watch um, on social media anytime, like the Bears official Twitter like posts anything and all the comments are, hell yes, chef. chef. Or, yes, chef. <laughs> yeah. I call you chef out of a sign of respect. And it's, yes. that's that, that's fantastic that that's something that's catching on, I think, with its fans. And, um, and and uh, you know, in terms of other characters, I, I do want to give a shout out, yeah, to um, 
uh, Liza Colon uh, Zayas, who plays Tina. Tina. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I really, really, once again, see, where I was more frustrated with Richie's character, she has a character that's also frustrating because she's got this icy exterior, very, very hard-edged, and uh, definitely does not take any shit from anybody. And yet, the storytelling with her was patiently done in such a way where it was like, okay, I can tell that they're going to make her a team player and they're going to reveal more about her. And I'm actually very excited to I learn more, more about yeah. her character in season two. Cause I do think that there are enough, there are enough things that are uh, subtly dropped about her character that the show doesn't fully explore in this season. But I think that we will see a uh, deeper exploration of in season two. It's, it's, very nicely done how she at the beginning she's also like you say like Richie she doesn't want change Sydney comes in and she wants her to do boil the potatoes or what it is in another way and she you know is not happy with that and, and no. does does some things that you know fucks it up for Sydney but at the same time she starts realizing slowly that hmm it's never worked so well we need this new system and she really gets in on it also realize she helps us the viewer understand what a large figure for example Mikey was because she says several times I miss him so much and when he was here this happened I mean you see that she has been part of this family before um, Mikey died and we kind of need that as as viewers and so it's not just these two dysfunctional in the triangle that we were talking about to begin with she really helps us to guide us that yeah there there was something special when when he was in the kitchen and she's been there she knows she knows the history in a way that Sydney doesn't mm -hmm. yeah and there's a lot of uh there's a lot of people in any job you go to there's always going to be that seasoned veteran type you know the one that's weathered the storm and has seen people come and go and very much knows how to do their job and does not like you said like does not like change so i like that you know her character started off that way uh but as it went along like i said left me it, it wet my appetite enough to know that there's a, a full, more full course to come uh, later on in season two. And I think that that's one of the most exciting things about uh, the supporting characters and also too with Jeremy Allen White in the show is that yes, they unpack a lot of information and they also uh, are able to, as I mentioned earlier, deliver a lot in this self-contained uh, first season. But there's also so many other possibilities of where they can take the show from here, especially if they decide to open up the show the show more in season two now i don't know if they're going to do that they might not they might decide to stick with um having it be uh, a contained show within the kitchen and the restaurant and i'm like richie here i'm like i fear change don't open it too yeah much. <laughs> i don't know i don't i don't know if, i don't know which one's better here you know but i i kind of get a sense that maybe in season two they will open it up just a little bit more and we will probably follow these characters i think um a bit more and spend more time with them than i than we did because this season was really focused on carmy especially right. um so i mean he's the, he's the you know lead of the show and make it makes sense but these other characters are just as rich and fascinating to me that i'm i'm very very excited and hopeful uh that we'll see further exploration yeah i just want to you had a, such an interesting point there that both 
sorry, Tina and Richie are very frustrating in different ways, mm-hmm. but you see Tina and I was, lots of people have been talking about this sort of toxic masculinity of, of the characters or several of the characters mm-hmm. on the show, Richie. Do you think that that's sort of what makes him continue to be frustrating? And I think that there's more screen time devoted to Richie and there are just more instances of of him just continuously screwing up where with tina as you mentioned earlier it was just simply hey sydney's running the show do what sydney's telling you things will be better i can't tell you how many times i've worked in jobs where i argued i bitched i moaned i put up all these reservations when new uh, when new um you know, agendas were put forth and also like, you know, new company goals and things of that nature. And how are we going to achieve like these, uh, these metrics? Oh man, the amount of complaining (laughs) that I did, but you know what? I, I realized, you know, with maturity and experience that if you just simply do as you're told and don't put up a fight, it, it, it always works out for the better always. You know why? Because if the plan fails, you, you did it. So, they'll realize that the plan was a failure and if it works then everybody wins so it's like matt, matt though when i just interested it works but not if you're writing a show <laughs> we need that i mean if, if richie would have just episode one but yes this sounds perfect let's change everything I, I i agree like you said you don't want to eliminate conflict that that gets brought up because of that i i do think though with richie they I think they went a little overboard with him is I guess what I'm saying. Where with Tina, I thought it was just the right amount. No, no, I respect that. I have to say, I think he's a fascinating character that we've seen in several uh, frustrating brothers and relatives in history of narrative. I think he's just one, another addition to that iconic character. I think he's really interesting in all his frustrating glory. <laughs> <laughs> but let's talk about So the last episode, what happens here is that Richie gives Carmi the note that Carmi has not found or seen that has, he thinks that Mikey hasn't left anything behind for him, but he has. Um, He sits alone and he reads the note and the note, you know, gives him the satisfaction of that he is proud of him um, Mm -hmm. in one small sentence. And on the other side, there's that the recipe for this really simple pasta onions and very specifically the small cans of tomato and Carmi decides to cook this uh, for the family meal that they call when all the when they eat together the restaurant staff and when they start opening these cans they find huge amounts of money Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you a little bit about what is your how did you see this what was this money was it money that he owed uncle cicero or that's what i interpreted it as you know there's all this talk about money that misplaced money and mismanagement of uh the funds that have led the restaurant to get to the point that it's at and so i just always assumed that that was the money that was owed to oliver platt's character cicero and that but why didn't he give it to him that's what I'm that, that's something that I am yeah like I understand that that part of it is not necessarily resolved <sighs> Me, you know and it could be as simple as well he didn't want to give it to him. 
Mikey comes into this money. He's got this money. He wants to leave it now to he wants to leave it now to his brother. You know what I mean? And fuck this other guy. I, I don't know. Maybe it is as simple as that. Something tells me that that will be further explored in the second season, I think, because I do think it is a little open to debate right now. Mm-hmm. But I, I naturally assumed that, that that was that money that was owed to him. It's a wonderfully satisfying scene. I mean, you're just... The thing that I kept thinking of was that I had this feeling that Mikey knew that he wouldn't be able to handle this. But instead of... If he would have given the money directly to Cicero, it would have given Carmi no chance to do something new with this restaurant. Do you think that because of his, uh, I just realized something, do you think because of his drug addiction, do you think that maybe he was using the money to sell, buy drugs, and then like like laundering the money through the restaurant? It was my first thought that 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 this had something to do with drug, he and Richie's sort of drug money, but then... Mm-hmm. Richie would be able to, you know, explain that, that if that were the case. Yes. I would imagine. Um, that's a little open-ended for me. I mean, even though it's very uh, story-wise, uh, sort of magically satisfying to have this ending, when I started thinking about it, I wasn't really sure what the motivation was for him to put it in the tomatoes. I just don't understand then. Do you think maybe he intended to pay back Cicero and he just died before he could do it? But that doesn't make sense then because then why go through the trouble of like putting, <laughs> yes, putting them into these cans? That's a lot of work. I almost wonder if like he used the money as a loan and then any money that the restaurant was making, it, it has to be connected back to, uh you know, his drug addiction somehow and something else that he was probably doing. I, I almost wonder if like all that money in the can was kind of like a um, uh, money under the mattress sort of thing. You know what I mean? Like you just have it there for a rainy day in case right. of things like go haywire. Um, also, too, I, it, hmm, I also wonder if it was placed in such a such a space because, you know, if there is a legal activity in the place where to ever get raided by the authorities, uh, do, do, do you think the authorities will be smart enough to open up all these cans of tomatoes to find any kind of stolen drug money? Mm. You know what I mean? So yes. I wonder if that's also an element of it, too. Right, right. No, but do you think that this will be something they bring into season two? Or do they? Do you feel that the creators are like, this was a satisfactory ending and we don't need to explain I this I definitely one? think that they feel like they lucked out in terms of finding this money. I think they're going to use it. And then they're going to find out where this money came from and it's going to create new problems for them. Yeah, because when Carmi and them start using it, now that they've closed the restaurant and are starting something new, Oliver Platt is certainly going to see, where did you get all this money exactly. from? Exactly, yep. Immediately. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't seem like he's waiting around for anything. I also want to know, like, how the hell did he get him in the cans? <laughs> I, just so much work. Why? So much work. (laughs) Well, he obviously didn't want to pay Cicero. Right. As you said, then there would have been no options. He would have had nothing. They couldn't have done anything. I think he wanted wanted Carmen to keep the restaurant. Right. But then where was all the money the restaurant was then making? Where was all that going? It's It's definitely something that is there to create a nice moment for everybody at the end. It's a great reveal. It's really, really fantastic. Right. It leads into, you know, them announcing that the restaurant is going to be repackaged and reopened and retitled as The Bear, Bear. which love it. Mm -hmm. Great way (laughs) to tie everything together at the very, very end. 
but I do think it's intentionally left open to debate because it is going to probably be the central driving plot point of any and all of the conflict I think that comes from season two. Well, maybe the listeners can, if you guys have any thoughts, I'd be so interested in hearing everyone else's take on this. So Matt, I want to end with, you're the awards expert. What do you think? How, how the, will this show fare ne- come next? Because it, it won't be this Emmys, of course. It'll be Yeah, so that's, t- that's a little tough here because uh, it's a new show. It's a small show. And they're going to have to, I think, give a really robust campaign to it in order to keep it in the conversation. I, I mean, we have seen shows premiere early and I mean like a year early and go on to, you know, make it a year later. It has happened before. So it's not unprecedented, but this is also not like one of those shows like on the level of a stranger things or uh, a game of Thrones where the budget is so big. It's like one of those too big to ignore kind of shows. However, it is definitely, I think, uh, so far like the best new show i've seen this year and it's also one that i think is going to resonate and stand out to people uh when we get to that point so i'm hopeful that it will be able to go to distance and get into categories like best drama uh also you know i would love to see the editing get recognized the direction the sound work uh the members of the cast i feel though like deep down I do think it's not going to be like one of those across the board shows where it gets in everywhere. And I think maybe for like the first season, you know, I, I think it might be one of those shows where it's so good and it takes the the television Academy some time to catch up with like it. reservation dogs. Yeah. But also too, like uh, something like the Americans, I, I look back on and I think about a lot, you know, and it's like some shows, they, it, they just, they take their time and, you know, they're distracted by some other things and, eventually they get around to it um but you know i could see writing i could see a directing nomination i could see like the editing nomination i don't know if it gets into drama series i don't know if jeremy allen white gets into actor i mean i'm being very conservative do i think all of the members of the cast and every element of this show deserves to get there absolutely and i know i would be voting for it if i had the power to do so but I don't know. It new sh- with new shows, it's really tough. It's not, it's not always a slam dunk. Well, we'll see. It did premiere really early because it premiered sort of while everyone was talking about this year's Emmys. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's sort of. I mean, if it can do as well as something like you know, Mr. Robot did, like with its first season where it got into drama series. Um, Rami Malek was nominated for lead actor. Got into writing. If it can manage to get a drama series nomination, then I think we're looking at some a scenario or two where maybe even it even picks up a win for something. You know, it could be that it could be one of those shows that you know does that uh, first season just makes makes a big splash. I mean, it, it's a heart attack of a show, truly, oh, and, and, and not because of the food. <laughs> no, it's a little bit because of the food, but mostly because <laughs> of the tension. This was great. Thank you so much. Yeah, no, thank you so much. This was such a pleasure. 
Thanks so much to Matt Neglia. Follow him on Next Best Picture. And thank you so much for joining us. You can subscribe to Pop Culture Confidential wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. In a world infatuated with comic fandom comes a show to help us remember the talents that have inspired us. Whoa, 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 cut. Oh, come on. It wasn't that bad. It's a bit dramatic. Let's just tell them about the show, guys. We are the Canned Air Podcast. Join us weekly for a comedic trip through pop culture. We also welcome some cool comic creators, as well as some of the voice and screen actors that help shape your childhood. Find us on cannedairpodcast.com and on the Evergreen Podcast Network.